Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast. By the faithful. That's you and me, Bruce. And for the faithful. I'm here today with... Everybody listening, David. That for sure is. I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How you doing? Very well tonight, David. How about yourself? Good. (laughs) Good, good. I had a hockey game and I had to leave after the second period when it was 1-1. And of course, right in the dressing room, I checked afterwards, and we won our game by a goal. And then, just, you know, it's always such a. I said yes when I saw the score, but I had no idea the dramatic fashion that oh. they would win that game four to three over the Florida Panthers. Let's get right into it because it's late. Mm. Two good things, two bad things, and two numbers, Bruce. What is your good thing? Well, my good thing was well, kind of personal that I was actually at this game. Mm. Not great seats. Uh, so good stuff. Wear my Turtle Island shirt for the occasion. Nice. Uh, indigenous celebration night. There was a lot going on there. One of my heroes, uh, uh, Chief Willie Littlechild, was involved in the opening ceremonies. And uh, uh, so it was just fun from start to finish. Uh, but the finish, let's go directly to the finish. Uh, with the game appearing all but lost, with the Oilers down 3-2, seconds on the clock and a face-off in the offensive zone after a couple of really good looks by Zach Hyman in the last minute that didn't go in. And you're thinking, it's just one of those nights we're getting goalie again. Uh, Because Spencer Knight was terrific. And then uh, out of nothing, they produce off a lost face-off. They produce the tying goal in no seconds, like five seconds off the draw where... uh, uh, the puck got one little bit back by Florida, but Hyman was all on it. Uh, and uh, he was able to uh, get it somehow to McDavid. And McDavid was somehow able to whirl around and find Evan Bouchard. He, like, it was like he knew exactly where he was going to be because he put it right on his tape. And Bouchard wasted no time at all and rifled the Bouch bomb. Well, not the slapper, but the wrister top corner to uh, beat uh, Spencer uh, Knight, 4.4 seconds on the clock in uh, pretty dramatic fashion to to at least seal Edmonton's one point, although there was a nervous bouncing shot on net with one second left that was not fun by Florida <laughs> in regulation. Skin, Stuart Skinner handled that. And so it went from, you know, the verge of despair to to absolute triumph in like no time flat because the overtime lasted like half of a shift 22 seconds and uh, the game was uh, decided in order's favor and they really they won the puck off the face off or they held the puck and florida made a key mistake by matthew kachuk uh, Darnell Nurse got his revenge on our, uh, Matthew Kachuk for something that happened earlier in the game because he beat a, uh, Darnell beat a two-man hard forecheck, pressure forecheck by Florida. And when Kachuk committed to be the second man and, and, and Nurse, uh, beat, Kachuk lost his balance and all of a sudden there's two Florida guys trapped deep with the Nurse with the puck and a clean look and Drysaddle and McDavid behind everybody but the defenseman. And Nurse made an excellent stretch pass up to Drysaddle. He fed it over to uh, uh, McDavid. McDavid 
uh, corralled it and fed it back. Both passes were slightly tipped, so it wasn't like easy peasy uh, for the guy on the receiving end, but uh, McDavid got it back to dry saddle, was deflected and it was kind of wobbling in behind him, so he had to reach a little bit and just uh, lift it in off the near side post and into the netting on a you know well executed two on one to uh, to finish the game and the place exploded again like on both goals the place went nuts it was great worth the price of admission admission's quite pricey but mm-hmm. uh well you know what when you when you for me you, it sure was when you invest uh when you invest that amount of money in season tickets like people do it's nice to see them rewarded. I know the, the you know the hardcore people who really support this team with season tickets. You know to to be live at a game like that. It's just yeah. such a sense of feeling of euphoria. It, it's that's what keeps people coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, it was fantastic to see Kachuk wipe out on that uh, overtime goal. It was Oops. fantastic. That was absolutely fantastic. I, was he listening to the crowd I was, then? I, I was going to say I got one one gesture for uh, Matthew Kachuk. What do you got to say <laughs> now, Matt? <laughs> Indeed, the he end was of- lost on Turtle Island, David. Indeed, yeah, thinking <laughs> below it. Um, is there anything below Turtle Island? Uh, anyway, Bouchard, um, it's just so great to see him play with confidence, and, and I think we saw that all game. He he seemed like a different player again. Um, you know, just slinging the puck around, and he. Um, I thought Philip Robbery had a had a, quite a good game when he didn't play a lot. But they, they, he had one bad shift, Broberry. But other than that, I thought he was, I thought he was solid enough in his 11 minutes of uh, ice time. Uh, but Bouchard, he's such a fine hockey player. He's so smart and good with the puck. And to see him get a goal like that, like you know, coming off two goals, that guy should. He, there's no reason Evan Bouchard can't be putting up 50, 60 point seasons in the NHL consistently. And um, I think we're going to see that uh, eventually, maybe not this year, because Tyson Berry's still playing ahead of him on the power play. But, um, man, did he nail that shot. He just, top shelf where mama keeps the cookies as the That's legendary. The place to beat Spencer Knight tonight. He was so good yeah. along the ice with his pads. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was guessing for Yarby about that. Uh, but, you know, there was guys that uh, could, they just couldn't beat him low. But uh, that shot was... Uh, Put in a good spot. Yeah, it's funny about uh, Bouchard. You know, like I've said on this podcast more than once, I, I anticipate him to score ten plus goals every year. Like I think he's that kind of an offensive player that you can probably expect ten, twelve, fifteen goals from the guy. And I mean, there will be ups and downs, but he had zero after twenty games, and now after twenty-two games, all of a sudden he's on pace for eleven goals. So well, there just like that, he's wiped out the. The deficit, and he's sort of, you know, where do you expect to be? Three goals in 22 games? I'd rather have five, you know, but he's all of a sudden he's producing, and the case can be made. The Oilers would have had zero points from the last two games without Evan Bouchard's goals. Yeah, his lightning hockey stick. Yeah, he uh, he is a tremendous, tremendous talent. You know, people, like, some people were down on him, and saying, oh, this, look, he's shooting into the shin pads again and again and again. I mean, had they forgotten the entire last season where he was consistently putting hard shots on that? I mean, it was just a, it was a matter of confidence where he wasn't moving his feet and wasn't with his head up enough in terms of making plays. And, and uh, 
confidence comes and goes for for mm-hmm. players, and, players especially, and i think on this team it's a particularly struggle you know when you're playing with mcdavid and drysaddle these are two supremely confident players and it's a high you know impossible standard high standard setting in terms of offensive plays and uh, i think it's kind of intimidating then to to have your own offensive game almost going like you really got to be confident in yourself to try to make try to live up to them when you're on the ice and, you know, finish off their plays. You just have to really just go for it. It takes a while, I think, for some of these younger guys to do that. Uh, Bouchard did it. Um, you know, we're seeing Pugliarvi, I think, struggle with his confidence. And it's been an ongoing issue with Yasa Pugliarvi, I think, a confidence issue um, playing with these guys. It's not easy, but um, uh, Bouchard got it done tonight. Bruce, my good thing yeah. is the play of... Zach Hyman. I just thought he was fantastic from start to end of the game. He um, he really is the the hustler in chief, you know, uh, for the uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. It's just a human pinball. Unbelievable ability to to win the puck, protect the puck, forecheck. Um, he he has been the Oilers' most consistent player. I mean, with McDavid and Drysdale, it's hard to say he's been their best player. Right. But um, he has been outstanding. You know, he's playing at an all-star level uh, all year long. And tonight, um, we saw that again. His uh, heads-up stretch pass to send to McDavid on that breakaway uh, to tie the game 1-1. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's the orders are, again, they're down off the start of the game. And you get, we're getting that sinking feeling. And they just needed that play. They were desperate for that play. And he made it. He just, he read it. There was no hesitation. Fired that puck, hit him right in stride. And went. And McDavid went in there with a absolutely spectacular uh, finish. He was in on two more goals. I mean, though, he, you know, the, the puck, um, it's uh, the third period. And uh, this is when it's 1-1. The orders are putting uh, some good offensive zone pressure, and um, Drysaddle I think gets the puck over to uh, Kulak, who puts the puck at net, and 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 there there's Hyman again going to the net, getting a stick on the puck to deflect it, and it goes over to Tyson Berry who jams it in. Just another real hustle, hard hard nosed hustle play, and it's interesting for a hard nosed player like a player who goes to so many hard spots as as Hyman, he doesn't take a lot of punishment. He he he's like a boxer who's kind of uh, you know yeah. there's this clip of Muhammad Ali someone's raining down punches on him like 15 punches in nine seconds and Ali dug, uh, ducks every one of them that's kind of Hyman in the corner he's often missing hits and missing contact he doesn't take I don't think he he um, takes a ton of punishment and he doesn't hit a lot either he just tries he uses his body to good effect uh, to gain position and, and win pucks then on the winning goal there there he is again. Using his, you know, using his... Um, on the tying goal. Uh, excuse me, on the tying goal, 3-3 three, three goal. There he's mm-hmm. off the face-off and finding a way to win that puck, to, to to pry it away from the other team. And McDavid gets it, of course, and does what McDavid does. He selfishly passes it over to Evan Bouchard, who slams it in the net. Um, I'm making fun there of Stan Fischler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stan called McDavid... Um, McSelfish. Well, he said he's he said he's, he's heard he's whispers from Alberta that and they're I calling never, him McSelfish. Have you ever heard that name? I've never heard Stan or anyone call McDavid McSelfish. It's funny. Like Stan is a he is a brilliant uh, troll, 
he, I mean, and he trolled the Oilers. He trolled the Oilers throughout the 1980s. He was, you know, he got under our skin consistently. Yeah. And there he was again um, before the last game, one, you know, speculating on McDavid whether you know he's gonna he's gonna you know live up to his McSelfish billing, which some people are whispering about. Again, I don't know where that comes well, from. Any of the people I know. No, I haven't even like even on even on Twitter. Like if you Googled McSelfish, would there be any reference to it at all? Yeah, I know. Dan Fischler's tweet. Dan Fischler's tweet. <laughs> anyway, Selfish, um, he had a couple nice assists there tonight on the mm-hmm. uh, game-winning goal. So, sure but did. Zach Zach Hyman, um, they had him on the top line. It's when they put Zach Hyman on that line that that line came alive, and really became mm-hmm. effective. He is such a he is a tremendous hockey player, and um, he's got a number of years left on his contract. He's he's in his early 30s already. Hopefully, he can continue this on, you know, throughout through the life of this contract. Um, some some players are able to do that. Even players is, uh, who play kind of a bit of a rough and tumble game, a lot of it comes down to luck with injuries. But so far, so good. He has been a spectacular signing for the Edmonton Oilers. Absolutely spectacular. And showed again tonight um, that he's worth every penny and two million or three million dollars a year more than he's getting. Well, he'll get those millions at the other end of the contract. So, you know, he's just front loading his his portion of the. That's 40, right. Fair enough. One million dollar contract or whatever the heck it is, thirty eight point five million dollar contract. So he's putting in a couple of eight to ten million dollar seasons up front let's remember so, that yeah oh, absolutely what's your bad they're, thing they're paying them the reason they gave them the, the term at that cap hit was they you know they wanted the value at the front end when they have the big players and that's you know so that's what he's delivering my bad thing uh, well i gotta pick zach hyman <laughs> And specifically, just one play that he made that I thought was, uh, was um, uh, well, it didn't end well. Let's put it that way. Uh, uh, this was the 2-2 goal. The Oilers had finally pulled ahead in the third period, 2-1. The clock had wound down to under, under 10 minutes. And Hyman had already had a pretty long shift out there. I, I don't know exactly how long it was. And... His line mates um, at that point, McDavid and Drysaddle, were changing out, and um, Hyman took the puck up uh, the right wing, just inside the blue line of the Florida end. And I'm going for my seat. Just get it deep, get it deep, and get off for your change. And uh, he took the puck to the wall, just inside the blue line, and he fought off one, then two, and eventually three Florida players. Well, he sort of held the puck along the wall. His two new line mates by then have already come out and joined him in that Florida zone. I'm thinking, well, he got away with it because he was able to hold it long enough for his mates to get in there. <clears throat> the trouble was they got all the way in there, and he was still out there on the far wing a long way from his bench. And he goes down. He gets up. He tries to get off. There's a Florida guy that's kind of in his way that he has to skate around him, and he lumbers off to the bench. And all of a sudden, that right wing is wide open. And there's one pass up the wing, and it's a three-on-two. And Florida executes the three-on-two perfectly, and the puck's in the net. And I just thought it was a, a just 
the fundamental decision there was the old adage, get pucks deep. Well, that puck did not get deep. And if you get the puck deep and you turn and make your change and your two new line mates are coming out towards, coming into the zone towards the play, it's kind of all under control. Whereas in this case, his line mates were already in there. They got caught. He got caught. And the Oilers' two defensemen wound up having to defend the three Florida forwards. And they made a great play. I mean, credit to Florida for how they put that one away. But it was, to me, the fundamental mistake was the decision right at the beginning. You know, I, 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 uh, I agree. Hyman was at fault on that goal, Bruce. But I really, I didn't like Nugent Hopkins or Barry on that play. Mm-hmm. They got aggressive. They got they got playing high up. Nuge got beat in the neutral zone on a pass, and that's what creates the three on two. At that point, it's three on three. He's he's back, and he gets beat in the neutral zone uh, with the pass instead of coming back and checking. You know, he's trying mm-hmm. to pick it off, and okay. and then Barry is up high, and instead, like he's got to recognize, okay, now we got it. Now we got a three on two. Now we're in trouble. He's playing up high at the blue line, and they beat him on the pass. Like instead of backing up, playing it conservatively, he's pretty aggressive there, and he gets caught out. I, I think Kulak got caught in a really tough spot. Yeah, uh, as they it were was essentially a two-on-one on him by the end. Correct. Of that, wasn't I don't. It? it was there was little he could do. It's like a back pass and then over. Like there's, I don't think Kulak could have done anything. But I think if Nuge and Barry had made better reads and mm-hmm. more conservative defensive plays, that that's not a goal. So I agree. I so. Is also to Hyman. I agree with your assessment. Everything you said, that's bang on about Hyman. But there's two other players there who might have done otherwise on that play as well. Um, my my play, Bruce, is a similar <coughs> one where one player really stood out. It is like the Oilers at the start of the game. It is a it is a freaking horror show. It is a nightmare. What's going on with this team? And, you know, you have, when the first goal against is scored, like all their best players are out on the ice, you know, it's the McDavid line and um, it's CeCe and Nurse. And and they just, they just start losing battles in their own zone. They're kind of out of sync. They're not really hustling. They're not really in the game. And, um, you know, CeCe comes way out to the point and someone puts the, lobs the puck back into the slot. I don't know what Nurse was thinking, honestly, in this play. It was just one of those things where he, maybe he's caught between and betwixt. Is that the saying? Like, why mm. just why not play it with your stick? Like, you know, he 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 should be aware. There's really no one else around him. There was two Florida players deep there, but no one was around Darnell Nurse, and he decides to go down and block it with his shin pad. Why? Like, well, there was no reason to do it. All he just had to shoot the puck in the corner, like shepherd it into the corner, or or Let it go. Let it go. There's or nobody do behind him. Do, do anything. Mm-hmm. But he decides he's going to try to block it with his shin pad, and it goes right to uh, Matt Kachuk, who's taking the play. Bang, bang, gets into that. So that was... Uh, that was... I, I imagine... I, I wasn't on Twitter then, but I imagine if there's people who are critical of Darnell Nurse, that they were out mm-hmm. in full at that moment. And honestly, so was I. I was thinking, like, what are you doing, man? Like, And I'm sure he was... more. He was... This, mad as anyone on earth about his own uh, mistake Mm -hmm. it was a it was a bad mistake you know in some ways it's just one of those things it's just like a fluke mistake because it's like the puck takes he makes kind of a little bit of a weird play and then the the puck takes a really terrible bounce so it's hard to it's hard to 
it's hard to like if we're being completely rational it's like okay these things happen that's okay like regroup at the same time this is this is this horrible recurring movie he's some been in the middle of it a number of times and and it's like enough enough in my opinion darnell spends too much of his games playing on one knee going yeah. down or go, trying to play low to the ice and take as wide a stance as he can. I, I, I kind of understand the rationale for it, but it doesn't work. Uh, you know, because what he does in the process is he immobilizes himself and his skate, his feet are, are among his best attributes. Well, it's pretty hard to skate when, when one of your toe caps is on the ice because you're down on one knee trying to block a lane, you know. The other guy moves two feet, and all of a sudden the lane is over there. How are you going to block that lane? You're stuck over here on one knee. So it, it, it's, uh, it's, I've never really understood, uh, and it's become more a part of his game, like he's Alan Stanley of 1966 or something, you know. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it, I, I mean, that's a personal preference, and he likes to play the game obviously that way. And there are plays that he cuts out. Uh, I just don't like the percentages of, of how many of those get, get cut out. And that one was, I mean, let's play this one super safe. The slow puck into the corner. Kachuk was behind me. I don't think he quite knew where he was, but Kachuk had actually looped around to the other side of the net. And sure enough, the puck goes off a of darn and right to Kachuk. If he just even let it go and chased it into the corner, it was no, no trouble. And it just turned nothing into a goal like i texted to you in the in the uh scoring chance summary i'd rather nurse had just intercepted that shot and turned and fired it into his own net so the <laughs> trip didn't get credit for the goal i mean geez talk about adding insult to injury so anyway as already mentioned nurse got the last laugh on kachuk on the game-winning goal so much is forgiven darnell much is forgiven <laughs> much is forgiven indeed all right, uh, let's go to our numbers, Bruce. What's your number? My number is six, and that is the number of players on the ice at one time uh, in the first period who were all graduates of the Bakersfield Condors and had all been trained at the AHL level by Jay Woodcroft, who, of course, has also graduated from the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, and those six were... Uh, of course, the netminder, uh, Stuart Skinner, uh, the defense pairing of Philip Brovery and uh, uh, Evan Bouchard, and the forward line of Brad Malone uh, with Dylan Holloway and uh, James Hamblin, who was playing his first NHL game and acquitted himself very well indeed. And I noticed that, that combination of players that were in the game, hey, I went, hey, look at, you know, this is Brad Malone. He's he doesn't really fit in the group in the sense that he's a gray beard and the rest of them aren't. But uh, he was Jay Woodcroft's captain in Bakersfield. And he was one of the guys, James Hamlin was another, who actually was on an AHL contract who, who earned, or in Malone's case, re-earned an NHL contract. And boy, on that shift, they had such a good play. Dylan Holloway made a fabulous play to keep a puck in with his glove at the blue line somehow chip it through traffic to Hamblin. Uh, Hamblin took it down the left wing wall and, and then fired a cross ice feed to Evan Bouchard who blasted one of his uh, many shots <clears throat> on net um, that 
Spencer Knight was able to keep up with. It was a real pretty uh, play, good hard working play, good pass, good shot, and all of this from you know guys that in the past one to two years had been uh, 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 down in the system. And I'm trying to think when was the last time they always had everybody on the ice who came up, you know, through through that. Uh, that system so that just that struck me all six guys so that's my number yeah they were in on another great a chance uh bouchard and holloway um holloway got a shot up bouchard took an outside shot and holloway i think maybe got a re i'm not exactly sure this is in early in the second period anyway so holloway's coming on bouchard really coming skate. on. he can holloway. really skate he's a, he's a player like i, I mm -hmm. you know he he got it about 10 minutes tonight um, I, I think he, he, he's going to, he's starting to come on and he's going to, I hope earn more, you know, started getting up 11, 12, 13, 14 minutes a game. Hamblin, look, that mm -hmm. was a very fine play that Hamblin made that mm -hmm. pass to Bouchard. It would have been nice if he, if he had scored. Bruce, my Did number. Did make any mistakes in this game? Like to nope. me, he just seemed nope. to be doing the right thing yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's a. Uh, very, maybe very see. impressed for his first NHL game. Yeah. Nice work. Um, my numbers, are, my number is 11 and it's, there's two reference points for 11. That's the number of shots at net for Evan Bouchard. He had a oh. uh, one miss shot, three block shots and seven on net, seven on net, including the, the, uh, game tying goal, fabulous game tying goal with that ratio. Yeah. And we also, uh, 11 is also the number of grade A shot, great, uh, major contributions to grade A scoring chances from McSelfish. So, um, <laughs> what a game Connor McDavid had. Mm -hmm. He is, he, you know, we don't mention him enough, I don't think, in some ways, yeah, in this podcast. Um, I'm often, you know, but, you know, the goal that he scored coming in there on the he just beat Knight. Knight who who had looked so good throughout that game. Spencer mm -hmm. Knight looked fantastic. But McDavid just totally made him look like a peewee goalie. You know, just just <laughs> just beat him glove side with that backhand shot. Brilliant. Um, you know, McDavid's uh pass um on the uh the winning goal, uh the tying goal and then the winning, winning goal. You know, just <laughs> What a what a fantastic! We are we are so lucky, and so eleven. You know he he makes about between six and seven major contributions to grade A shots per game, so this mm -hmm. is about double his season average. So he had a he had a an a nine. I'd give him a nine. I don't know what Kurt gave him. I would have given him a nine. I think. Let's just check what Kurt gave him here, but um, he had a one McDavid of a game. He, he after a fairly not such a great game. The last game, he just really uh, put on a show tonight for the hometown fans. And, you know, people have been talking about how the orders have been coming on and getting a little better, playing better defensive hockey. It was nice to see them. Uh, he, Kurt gave him an eight. It was nice to see them win this game. The orders really deserve this victory. The orders yes. had 21 grade A shots to 13 for Florida. They had 15 five alarm shots compared to nine. So the orders should have had um uh five goals just on five alarm shots and then maybe another goal uh they, you know they were their expected goals according to us were like 6.2 or so 
and um, Florida's would have been about four. So this was a pretty um, high-flying affair with both teams getting lots of great scoring chances. But the Oilers were were the, the much better team uh, overall and deserved that victory entirely. So way to go, Edmonton Oilers. I was quite despondent as the game was winding down and it appeared that the Oilers would come out of that effort with nothing, like not, you know, not even a, a battling point. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, 9.6 seconds left and, a, you know, a face-off. What, so the odds makers that put the chances of winning at that moment would surely have been in single-digit percents. Uh, and uh, they were they were able to... Uh, to pull it off. I'm just looking up what did they have for uh, uh, all situations for uh, expected goals tonight. And they had it at 3.8 for the Oilers and 3.3 for the Panthers. Yeah. And they had high dangers at 1814 Edmonton. And scoring chances at 40-28, Edmonton, exact same as shots. And, you know, Edmonton had the substantial advantage, you know, 58, 56, 59, 59, 56% right across the board and all these categories again. <clears throat> and it just didn't seem fair that they come come out with nothing. But in the end, uh, justice prevailed, uh, at least I think on this night. And... We didn't even mention what, the way one play where uh, uh, Hyman um, scored, but the goal got overturned because he did, in fact, have a kicking motion on the rebound, but of a great chance where Drysaddle had batted a puck down out of the air and got it to McDavid, and McDavid behind the back, right to Hyman, walking in alone on on night, and he you know, tried to deke him and, could, again, couldn't beat him low until he kicked in the rebound, but uh, just those guys were producing a lot of quality chances, all, all three of them, really. Yeah, so the Oilers are now 12 and 10. Of course, they don't have any loser points, so they're they're a little, they're struggling a bit in the standings, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, they have the same number of wins as LA and two less games. Right. But they're three points behind because LA's got three loser points. So not too many teams with double-digit regulation losses, and that's what's hurt the Oilers. And, and uh, this was the first game; these these two games now uh, <clears throat> were the first game since November first where they got actual got points from two consecutive games. Like every single win had been followed by a regulation loss. So they never got anything going for the entire month of November until now, finally right at the end. So this is uh, uh, two very sort of unlikely wins, but to put them back to back like this is a promising sign of uh, maybe it's time for some kind of run, you know, player shortage be damned, you know, they got, they still got the big guys. Yeah, well, and the and some players like if Hamlin and Benson, and who's yet to play, and Holloway can step up, and a number of other players can step up. You know, maybe they Janmark, Costin, if these players can can play. I like Janmark's play, although he's not mm-hmm. yet scoring. He's I, I think he's a really effective. Makes some smart players, play, eh? Um, you know, this isn't the drop off isn't that great. I mean, Yamamoto wasn't playing that well, of course. Yeah. Fogel finally had his game together, and then he went out. McLeod was finally flying, and he went out. So, and and Kane's obviously a huge loss. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the the wingers they are losing some forwards here, 
but um, Kane's the only long-term injury, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, Yamamoto, when he does come back this time, will be a hundred percent, like we'll, or close to it. You know, will be good to go because he sure wasn't the last time he came back. Bruce, uh, let's leave it there. Let's sure move on to the next game. Thanks, uh, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.